You are listening to the Daily Homily for Magdala in the Holy Land. As Jesus was passing through a field of grain on the Sabbath, his disciples began to make a path while picking the heads of grain. At this, the Pharisees said to him, Look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? He said to them, Have you never read what David did when he was in need and he and his companions were hungry? How he went into the house of God when Abiathar was high priest and ate the bread of offering that only the priests could lawfully eat and shared it with his companions. Then he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. That is why the Son of Man is Lord, even of the Sabbath. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. It's actually interesting that every creature, and not just the Sabbath and the practice of the Sabbath, every creature is made for us, for our life and for our sanctification. Not that we can dispose of it like a despot or independently of God's will, but it's all made for us. Why are the stars there? so that we can be enriched with the view of the expanse of divine wisdom and power and delight for our heart and soul. We have a wonderful feature in our lives called desire. And that word comes from sidus, which is the word for a star, and the plural is sidra. And this sidra is from the stars. What are desires? Things we want from the stars. (laughs) Something unattainable, something out there that we have to reach far to get, something we really can't get that has to be gifted to us. We're filled with desires. Why did God give us the stars? We obviously know why he gave us the sun. Without the sun, we couldn't live. Why did he give us plants? Why did he give us animals? Why did he give us family life? Why did he give us all the institutions, schooling, all the things are for us and for our salvation. Even all of the life of the church, the sacraments are for us. And sometimes we put things backwards, like good religious people here uh, raise certain things out of the place they were in. And, And we get a reordering of life when we understand that. We are not made to, to for work. Work is for us. Work is for our development. Work is to help provide for others and for ourselves the basic things we need. And then more, if we can, to be blessing for others and develop other aspects, not just the basic subsistence means and requirements. In the book of Samuel, we have, I would like to touch on two things here. We have the issues of a prophet and the reality of a king. And what impressed me today very much, I spoke about in the live streams this morning that are available on the YouTube and the, and the Facebook page if you want to, 
to listen to them, see at the sunrise this morning here, uh, we have as, uh, the very human side of Samuel. Our Lord challenges him and says, why do you grieve for Saul? You know, we see a prophet and sometimes we think there's a wonderful place that remembers the burial of Samuel in Ramah. The town is mentioned here in this reading, north of Jerusalem. And there's a big kenotaph, an empty tomb from the Crusader period honoring his burial or his memory. And there's an inscription from Psalm 99 on this memorial. And the psalm says that it's from Psalm 99 that God heard Samuel and Moses. So he's up there with Moses in ranking, and it's, he's a model of prayer, a model of mediator uh, of God's plan for his people, bringing their needs before God, hearing God's voice, coming to give the people gifts from God, like this king. And yet, these prophets are not just up there in the clouds and the stars, <coughs> They're actually very much in the ground, and they're very human. And we see Samuel grieving for Saul. He's attached to Saul. Of course, he anointed him. He found him when he was looking for the donkeys, and he <clears throat> uh, helped him and guided him in, as, in his kingship. And now Saul has not lived up to the measure, and God is replacing him with David, and, Saul, and Samuel is grieving. And then he gives Samuel instructions to go to Bethlehem, and he's afraid. He has fear. He's grieving. Now he has fear of going to Bethlehem if he's going to anoint a new king. And then he doesn't know who it is, but he still goes because God will show him. So he has these major limitations of grief and brokenness, of fear, not being able to act and not knowing what he's supposed to do. And he thinks it's this one, and God said, no, it's another one. It's not this one either. It's not this one. It's this boy that's out with the sheep. And so we have that uh, wonderful insight into all the saints. All the saints were very human, and they had a very human side. And we see that in all the stories of the Gospels. We see it in the, all the stories of the Bible. And we see it in all the stories of all the saints since that time to this very day. All the saints are human stuff, and God does his spiritual work in their lives for blessing to countless people. So they are very much our family, our human family. And that's encouraging for us. And then about the king. The king is chosen by God. And we're living in a different time that there isn't a prophet who comes and said, that is the king. Now the process is handed over to us. And, but the reality hasn't changed. If all the gifts that God gives are for us, but God is the source of the gift, then these are two poles we have to keep in mind in the electoral process. And I just saw a headline the other day which says that I think it's like a quarter or a third of the world population is electing new government this year, in 2024. So many people are involved in this process. And some people rush their hands and say, it's all junk, there's no point being involved. But you have a responsibility to be involved in the election of the king, the king, the chief executive of your country. And the, that's a great responsibility. 
Okay, you just have a minimal part, a minimal part of 1%, but very minimal, like an atom in a whole big building. But you have an important part, and your voice counts. So you can't vote superficially. And you can be like Samuel, you can be afraid, you might be grieving over situations in your country, over the politics, and you might not know what to do. Well, get to prayer. This is your calling. I have found David, my servant. Beautiful definition of a king. Found by God through your selection and voting. And he's a servant of God, my servant. What a beautiful way. This is Psalm 89. <clears throat> this is a big invitation for us to be very thorough and pondering and reflective about our responsibility in participation in finding God's servant for your whole country, for your nation, not to be taken lightly. Thank you for joining us today. If you want to learn more about Magdala, follow us on YouTube and on Facebook.